Morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. How's everybody this morning? So today is September the 12th, 2021. It's the only September the 12th, 2021 we are going to get. And one thing that I'm so grateful for is that we're able to gather here together uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a joy it is to do that. You know, I know that everybody knows that uh, what yesterday was a special day, a commemorative anniversary of something that occurred 20 years ago. And one of the things that I've thought about is how much things have changed during those 20 years. But during the midst of that, uh, a reminder for us is that God doesn't change. His word doesn't change and that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we are so grateful for that. And we want to remember that this morning. We're excited as we always are for Kathy and the band and uh, being able to hear the, the worship team this morning, get a word from Pastor Adrian as well this morning. So we're always excited when Pastor Adrian is here. So we're glad you're here. For those of you who are watching us online, we want you to know that you are loved. And we say that every Sunday and we mean it. And we're glad also for those of you who are here for the first time. Welcome to Firewell. And we're glad you're here. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we do exalt your holy name, Lord, and we lift you up because you are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I want to pray this morning, Lord, um, for the, that the worship music here would be pleasing to you, that you give guidance to Pastor Adrian as you brings your word to us this morning. We also pray, Father, uh, for those who are... Um, having a tough time this weekend, uh, Lord, as they remember what took place 20 years ago, that you give them uh, the peace that transcends all understanding. We exalt your holy name, Lord, for you and you alone are worthy. And I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Good morning, Firewheel. What a great day it is to worship. Everybody, please rise and join in with us this morning.
Well, good morning. How about this band, huh? The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Uh, words that are so true, and I don't know about you, but those are words that I definitely need. Uh, for those of you who have not met, my name's Kevin Davis, and I'm one of the elders here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship, and now is the point in the service uh, where we have a chance to give. So I'm gonna call the ushers forward if you guys wanna come down. And we have a chance now to give to him who has given all. You know, and people, I think oftentimes we overlook and we realize we have so much to be grateful for. Everything in my life that I have, God has given me. And everything that Firewheel Bible Fellowship has, God has given that to us. And as Pastor Chris likes to say, um, th th this part of the service, it is an act of worship. And that's what this is. And we have a chance to display our love and appreciation to the Lord God Almighty. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you, Father. You are worthy, Lord. You are so good to us. You are so patient with us, Lord. Um, we thank you, Father, for the cross, for the blood of Jesus, Lord. But we thank you for everything that we have, God, because you've given it to us. And we thank you, Lord, for our jobs. We thank you for this building that we have to meet in. We thank you for this worship band. We thank you for our staff. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in this country uh, to gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And we thank you for the people who have made that possible for us to have that freedom. And Father, this morning we want to pray. Um, we pray for the Furmans in Dubai, for the Descalinases in Haiti, for the Bakers in Mexico, Lord, for give them wisdom and strength in their decisions. We pray unity for their staff and unity among their congregations. Pray also, Lord, for Pastor Chris this morning as he's a little bit under the weather, Lord, that you give him relief from this sickness and give him strength and patience as he tries to recover. Father, we uh, pray that this offering that's taken right now, that it would be pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified through it, Father. And we worship you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, all right. Uh, let's do the round of applause for the worship team. Woo! All right, a lot of ground to cover today, so no small talk. Uh, coming up this Thursday, Mommy and Me Play Date in the youth room. Uh, for more information, see Crystal Clark, uh, but that's this Thursday from 10.30 to 12. It's going to be a good time. This Saturday, sew together, S-E-W, sew, to sew. Uh, this Saturday, we'll have the Sew Together event. Uh, it'll happen here from 9 to 12. And you can see Barbara for more information, Barbara Brown. This Sunday, we have the Serve Where You Love Volunteer Fair. Now, I touched on this last week, but we'll have various tables in front representing the different ministries and volunteering opportunities here at Firewheel. Um, so if you feel so inclined, you can come up after the service, uh, right after the service, and you can talk with uh, a representative of an area that you feel called to. It's going to be a good time. Uh, softball. So the bad news first. The Saxe League did not get enough teams to actually make a league. But now for the good news, and to quote the wise and powerful Yoda, there is another. Uh, the Rowlett League <laughs> will be active. Thank you, thank you. Been working on that all week. Uh, but the Rowlett League is active, and we will be doing that. We'll be pivoting to that. That'll start October 10th. Uh, it'll be a co-ed team, so you can keep signing up as usual on the events page. Also, uh, the golf tournament, still alive and kicking, October 16th. Once again, you can sign up under the events page. And if you're somebody who does not golf, but you want to support the tournament, come see me about a potential sponsorship opportunity. It'll be a real good time. Uh, lastly, and this is a bit unorthodox, but I have a microphone and I'm on stage, so here we go. It is a very special day, our head elder, a man who I'm rather fond of, Kelly McCarthy. It is his 66th birthday, so I just wanted to say, happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> yes, happy birthday. Um, you can leave your presents at the door, cash if preferred. Uh, but yes, happy birthday. Oh, wow, sound effects. The budget has increased. No. Uh, but no, that's all I have for y'all. Uh, y'all have a great day and enjoy the sermon. So. All right, good morning, Firewheel family. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, y'all can do better than that. Is everybody awake? Y'all had your coffee? Hopefully stop by the coffee bar and are ready and willing to go. Everybody got their Bible? Bibles? Let's see Bibles. Uh, everybody got their note-taking devices, whether that's electronic on your phone, whether that's uh, with old-school analog with a pen and piece of paper. If you need a sermon buddy, you can raise your hand. There is a sermon buddy for today. So if you want to follow along with today's message, you definitely can do that. So if you raise your hand, if you don't have one, one of our ushers will be able to get that to you if you desire and want a sermon buddy or a place to take notes for today's message. So today, uh, in case you didn't notice, I am not Chris Carroll. Uh, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina, and I have the opportunity of actually serving here at Firewheel as one of our Sunday morning teachers. I lead the discussion over in the great room that we're going through the book of Romans right now. So all my great room peeps out there, all right, so uh, we have a good time. If you guys are plugged into one of these awesome Bible studies in the morning, I would encourage you to do so. Um, 
Just a little background on me. I had the opportunity to pastor. I was the lead pastor of a church in New Jersey for seven years, and then God called us back. Firewheel is home for us. I was an intern here back from 2010 to 2012, and actually am ordained through this place, so Firewheel's always been home, and God called us back to the great land of Texas uh, to be able to pursue, our, uh, pursue doctoral work. And so uh, I am glad to be back here, and it's always a breath of fresh air walking into Firewheel and seeing all you guys' faces. So uh, since Chris is under the weather, uh, gave me an opportunity to be able to step in this week. So we are going to take a slight detour from the book of Matthew, and we're actually going to go to the book of Genesis. So if you have a Bible and want to open up, we're going to find ourselves in Genesis chapter 12 today in a very familiar passage of Scripture. But I hope that we can glean a few new insights today in the way that I feel like we're going to structure this today. I think that you'll, you'll get some, some good stuff out of this as we look at this familiar story about a guy by the name of Abram who we come to know as Abraham. But before we get into it, I want to go ahead and say a word of prayer. So let's go ahead and pray and ask that God would be with us as we open his word this morning. Well, Lord, as we open your word this morning, we do pray that you would give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive that I pray that you would break away any stony ground or that any ground where thorns may have gathered over and that your word would implant in our hearts into fertile soil. We invite you into this space and we pray that you would give us the insight in which we need. Where there's encouragement needed, I pray there would be encouragement. Where there is maybe correction that is needed, I pray correction would come. I pray where salvation is needed, I pray that the gospel goes forth today and that the scales are removed from people's eyes and people will come to know you, Jesus. And we do pray your continued healing upon Pastor Chris and that you would watch over him and that you would just be with him today, this morning. And Lord, I pray that for this broken vessel, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you and that my words would be yours today. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we could pray through the power of the Spirit. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, when you've been married for a certain length of time, there are reoccurring conversations that happen in your marriage, and sometimes these reoccurring conversations are very funny. So I'm going to let you into a reoccurring conversation that me and my wife have, and this probably goes to show you the generation I grew up in and probably my influence on her. So we have a regular reoccurring conversation in the Pina household about superheroes and what superhero power we would like to have. So uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I dream that, or, you know, especially after we have this conversation, Jen has these vivid dreams that we were fighting crime somehow, and she tells me about these vivid dreams that she has the next day. But we have this reoccurring conversation, be like, how cool would it be to have a superpower, and what superpower would we have? That goes to show you I watch way too many DC and Marvel movies, and that's okay. By the way, shameless plug, go see Shang-Chi, it's awesome, all right? But... I find that my superhero power always tends to change. Sometimes I want to fly, sometimes I want to have superhuman strength, sometimes I want other different things. If you guys could have a superpower, what would you want? Shout out a couple to me. Invisibility is a cool one, all right? I've thought about that one before. What else? Huh? Laser eyes. Okay, so laser eyes. Huh? Flying. All right, all the kids are joining in. Adults, don't worry, y'all kids too. I know you watch Marvel movies. So, huh? Incredible Hulk, so incredible strength, all right. So all of these different kind of superpowers, I thought to myself, I'm like, one superpower that I think would be very cool would be able to tell the future. If I could be able to project and tell the future, that could help me from making some bad decisions. 
because I know that I will make bad decisions in life. I have a track record of sometimes making bad decisions. So if I knew the future and knew the outcome, then maybe I could prevent myself from making some bad decisions. Also, then I could pot potentially help other people in not making bad decisions themselves as well. When it comes to decision-making, there's so many variables that come into play. When we make certain decisions in our life, we act without having all the details. Sometimes life requires you to make decisions and you don't have all the details. And guess what? I'm going to venture to tell you that is likely going to be the case most of the times. We do not have all the details. Now that being said, faith works just like that. I think faith works like that. Sometimes we think that faith means that we have all the different details, that God has disclosed everything. But God does not disclose everything to you and I. Sometimes we have to act on not having all the details. And we act on not having all the details because of who we are acting upon. We're acting upon the information and the reliability upon the God in which we serve. So because he is trustworthy, we can then act even though we may not necessarily know where it is going to lead. Faith has feet. Faith is something that is active. It involves action. It prompts us to be able to move. In today's story, we're going to look at what we call the father of faith, Abraham, who was first known as Abram, as he was called. And we're going to see him as an example of a person who walked in faith without having all the details. So here's my one true statement for you today, my one big idea for today. Is that faith requires action even without having all the details. Faith requires action without having all the details. This is going to be perfectly summed up in the life of Abram. We're going to see he doesn't have all the details, and yet we are going to see he's a man who is faithful, and the scripture just tells us he went. That he actually responded in faith, he put his faith into action, his faith had feet, and he moved upon what God told him. So again, we're going to find ourselves in Genesis chapter 12. We'll reference a couple other passages today. But we're going to see three basic movements in our message. We're going to see the call to Abraham. We're going to see the promise that God made to Abraham. And we're going to see the commitment of Abraham. Now before we get into this, it's going to be really important to see exactly who this guy Abram was because it frames our story. It helps us to put us in the context of being able to see who this man actually was because we take it for granted. We're introduced to him in Genesis 12 not really knowing much about him, but we actually find out some other different details about him in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24 verse 2 says this about Abram. It says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So filling in the blanks a little bit, what we know about this man Abram, what we know a little bit about his, uh, his historical background, his family line, is that he came from a family of God, people who did not worship the one true God of Israel. He was a pagan worshiper. He worshiped false gods. We also know that Abram was a middle-aged, prosperous, well-settled man, even though he was thoroughly pagan. He was rich before God even gave him blessing and gave him material wealth. He had wealth in that way. He had livestock and all that before God even expanded his territory. So here's a man who doesn't know the one true God of Israel, and yet he becomes the father of faith through whom Israel descends. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, and let's look at the call of Abram. 
And the scripture reads as follows. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. According to this verse, I've highlighted three things basically in yellow that I want to point out to you that God is calling Abram to leave. He's asking him to leave three things. Number one, he's asking him to leave his lands. That's his country, his hometown. He's asking him to leave what is familiar to him, where he grew up. He's asking him to go to another place, a place that he's not familiar with. Secondly, God is asking him to leave his kindred, his people. So, so to leave your kindred, that's your kinfolk, that's your people, that's your family, that's your friends, to be able to leave all of that. And then he's also to leave his relatives. It says to leave your father's house. The comfort of being within his father's home. The structure of that. His father was a prosperous man. And being able to leave all that stability and everything. And here is a God. Let's go back to what we just read in Joshua. Abram doesn't know this God. Please don't miss that. And here is a God communicating to him. And basically says, you don't know me in that way, but I want you to leave everything. That's kind of a big ask. That's a big ask. All Abraham has to go on, all he knows, all he has is a word. He has a word from a God he doesn't know. And he doesn't have Google Maps. He has no idea where he's going. This God doesn't tell him exactly where he's going. He just says go to leave from this land. And then he fills in the details afterward. Please don't miss that what God is asking Abram to do is a tremendous exercise of faith. He's asking him to leave everything that is familiar. He's asking him to leave every relationship that he knows. He's asking him to leave the comfort of home and of his land. He's asking him to go into a foreign place that he has no idea about, to acknowledge a God that he doesn't yet fully know. God is asking a tremendous amount on Abram. But here's my point for you. If I could give you a principle from this, it's this. Following God requires faith, this type of faith. A faith that is willing to move, a faith that is willing to act, a faith that is willing to be able to listen to God and receive just the word that we need and then be able to follow through on just that word. You and I, you here today under the sound of my voice may be in a position where you felt that God has told you something very expli explicitly. Whether it was through the reading of scripture, whether it was through maybe somebody who gave you a piece of advice, maybe it was something just internally that you felt the Holy Spirit was prompting in your heart, and God is telling you to exercise faith, to trust Him, to take one step forward. And what is keeping you back is because the fact that you think you need to know three or four steps down the line. And because you don't have all that information, then sometimes we get stuck in the comfort of the familiar. Let me say that again. Sometimes we get stuck in the comfort of the familiar because that's a good space. I'm comfortable there. I know everything that's going on. I'm comfortable in my setting. I know, I know how to handle this. And so when God asks somebody, scripturally we see that Abram's a perfect example. When he asks somebody to do something, he often takes them out of their comfort. He puts them in a place where they're going to have to trust. He puts them in a place where they are going to, everything that is familiar is going to be removed. And notice that the promise of verse 2, the promise that we quote so many times, doesn't come until after Abram actually follows through in action. If Abram didn't act, then the promises of God would not have been revealed and wouldn't have been realized in his life. Yet he does not have all of the factors. 
Imagine if God had told Abram, hey, Abram, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. You're going to struggle with me, and you're not going to have the promised child for 25 years. About halfway through that, you're going to try to take the plan into your own hands, so you're going to go ahead and uh, sleep with your maidservant, so that way you can think that you are creating somebody who's going to be your beneficiary, but your promised son's not going to come until 25 years later. As a matter of fact, your promised son, I'm going to ask you to sacrifice him. Not only am I going to ask you to sacrifice him, but the people that come from that line, they are going to be persecuted for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. Do you think Abraham would have said, yes, yeah, sign me up. Sign me up for that. He didn't have all the details. You and I are often faced with decisions like that as well. And I want to ask you a very direct question today. I want to ask you a very direct question, and here it is. Please hear me. Is the fact that God said, is it enough? Let me ask you that again. Is the fact that God said, is that enough? For Abram, God told him, I want you to leave the land. I want you to do this. I want, to leave you, I want you to leave your father's house. God just told him. He gave him a word. Abraham responded. He didn't need all the directions. He didn't need anything else. He responded simply to that word. So if God says to you today, leave your job. If God says to you today, I want you to move to another country. If God was to tell you today, I want you to be able to completely shift and change careers, and now I want you to go into ministry. If God told you something that sounded so radical, but you knew it was from him, are you willing to say today that because God said, that's enough, that's all I need? That's all I need. That's a really hard challenge. That's not something easy to go through, to be able to walk through. I venture to say that if we had all the details in life and had everything worked out, we would not walk in faith. Because faith says, I trust God and know that he knows what's best for me in death, that he knows what is enough. And that God isn't going to put me in a position where he's asking me to trust him to leave me out on a ledge by myself. That God, the best place that I could be is where God tells me to be. And so in doing so, and following through, and following through on what he says, that I am in the place he wants me to be. My obedience, your obedience to God should never be predicated on the details he discloses to you. Let me say that again. My obedience, your obedience should never be predicated on the details that God discloses to you. If you believe that God is God, that he is king, he is ruler over your life, and he is Lord. If you say he is Lord, that means that what he says goes. And if he says to go, we go. He doesn't have to fill in the details for us. We take him at his word. The longer that I've walked with Christ, the, the longer I've come to realize that oftentimes what happens is that God gives us just enough to get us to make the first step, but he's not going to reveal step two, three, and four until we take step one. And when we take step one, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I am stepping out of the boat. God, I am placing actively, I'm putting my faith and trust in what you say because it is enough. And so in doing so, I'm putting myself in a place of vulnerability. I'm putting my, myself in a place of dependence on God. And in doing so, then God then trusts me and says, you know what, I could reveal it to you then. You trust me. You're walking with me. That's what it means to walk by faith. And so then he reveals the next step. But I'm a planner. How many planners we got out in the house? How many of y'all like lists, plans, calendars, all that, right? So I'm a planner. 
So when things don't go according to plan, my, I, my, I, the, the ground beneath me shakes a little bit. I don't do very well with being flexible sometimes. So I like to have a plan. So I like to know A, B, C, D, E, and F. I like to know all the steps down the line. And yet God is saying, no, no, homie, back it up for a second. I'm going to give you step one. I want you to take step one. When you take step one, I know you trust me, and then I'm going to reveal to you exactly where I'm taking you. And I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. From a human perspective, it totally did not make sense for Abram to do what he did and for God to require of him. And yet Abram follows through on exactly what God told him to do. You know how you often know in life when God is telling you to do something? When it's something that is completely outside of not only your comfort zone, but it basically makes you, it's humanly seemingly impossible for you to do it on your own strength. If you could do something on your own strength that God is asking you to do, I would venture and question whether or not God is actually the one telling you to do it. Because he puts us in this place where it requires great dependence on him. Faith and obedience are not easy. Faith and obedience are not easy things to do and to follow through. Before we move on to the next verse, I want to encourage you with a statement that Jen and I has become like our mantra over the last year that we've been saying to each other. And it's a very difficult statement, but I genuinely believe that through a number of different things that have happened, that we are at this place where we believe this statement to be true by God's grace. And we have told each other numerous times the last past year that I want to be obedient more than I want to be comfortable. Let me say that again. I want to be obedient more than I want to be comfortable. That's what I want to be in my relationship to Christ. I want to be willing to say, okay, God, you said send me. Yes, like Isaiah, yes, I'll go where you want me to go. I don't need the creaturely comforts of this world. I just want to be obedient because that's what it means to be a servant. I so desperately want that for you in your relationship with Jesus. That you could say honestly, and some of you today, you may not be able to say that honestly, and that's okay, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would work that in your heart. Where you could come and say that I want to be obedient more than I want to be comfortable. That's the call. There's a cost of this thing to follow Christ and to follow him in faith. So let's talk a little bit about the promise he made. So starting in verse 2, God made a promise to Abram. And this is the promise, he says. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram gets basically three promises from God. Number one, that he's going to be made a nation. So out of him is going to come a larger population that would come from his loins, that he would have multiple, multiple descendants, as the sands of the sea and as the stars in the sky. He also says that he will bless him. This word typically means descendants and material wealth. Since the Lord already mentioned making from Abram a nation, he's talking about that he's going to give him material blessing. He's going to give him what he needs for this journey that he's going to send him on. And then lastly, he says that I'm going to make your name great. This talks about Abram's influence that will be widespread across the nations and across for generations. Look at us, 2,000 plus, multiple thousands of years removed from this event, and we're still talking about Abram, all right? But here's the thing, is that God does not owe anything to you and I for us to walk in obedience. He doesn't owe anything to us, but he does so, and he honors obedience and faith. 
And when people of his walk in obedience and faith, they position themselves, they align themselves to be able to receive and be trusted by God to be able to receive what he wants to give them and to be able to use them. You ever have your car go out of alignment before? So when your car goes out of alignment, right, it starts drifting to one side or the other. It's not going in the straight line that it's supposed to go anymore. And that could cause severe damage to your car. Your tires start wearing unevenly and just, you know, it can start causing some more damage. So what do you do? You take it to the mechanic, the mechanic realigns it and then puts it back into alignment. And ideally when you put it back into alignment, then the car's able to go straight. Well, here's the thing. Faith and obedience puts us in proper alignment so that way God's blessing can then come. God is not going to bless somebody who's out of faith and alignment with him. If we're not placing ourselves under his authority, if we're not placing ourselves under his lordship and we're submitting to him, if we're not walking in faith with him, he's not going to bless us. Some of us wonder, well, why isn't God blessing me? Are you in alignment? Are you putting yourself in proper alignment with him? To be able to position yourself in order to receive God's blessing. And that's what faith and obedience does for us. Faith and obedience positions us to receive God's blessing. Abram would have never received these promises if he did not walk in faith, if he did not position himself under God, under God's authority, to be able to receive what God had intended for him. This is true on an individual level. I believe that it's true on a corporate level as well. God is not going to bless ministries. God's not going to bless churches. God is not going to bless individual believers if they do not properly align themselves and position themselves under his authority. But look at the end of verse 2. The end of verse 2 discloses why God wanted to bless Abram. He was to bless Abram so that he could be a blessing. God's people are blessed by God for their obedience and faith and when they're in that proper alignment, but our blessing is never within a vacuum. It's never in isolation. God blesses us so we can bless others. And oftentimes when we think about blessing, we just think financial. This is not just talking about financial connotation, right? So we are so blessed. How many of y'all just recognize how blessed you are by God? We are genuinely blessed by God. And it's something we don't deserve. And yet we have so much and this is what we receive that we are to be able to then extend it out to other people as well, to be a blessing to others. It's never in that context of a vacuum. The outpouring of God's blessing on you is for others and not just for yourself. God always has others in mind. That's why we're part of a body. We call it the body of Christ. That's why we are like a family. We are to bless and care for one another, to meet the needs of one another, spiritually and physically, I believe, to meet those needs. Let me give you a perfect example. Say if you walk into work tomorrow morning, your boss calls you into work and says, hey, uh, I wanted to recognize how great of a job that you have been doing. We had this new position open up, so I'm promoting you. I'm promoting you to the vice president of, you know, whatever. So I'm going to give you this promotion. With this promotion comes a substantial raise. So now you're going to be making whatever X amount of dollars they're going to be making more money. And so uh, congratulations. We approve of everything that you are doing. Keep up the good work. And you just walk out of there. You're so pumped and you're so juicy. Like, oh, my God, I got a promotion. You call your spouse. You're so happy. He's like, oh, man, you won't believe what happened. And so you're so excited about that. So now you have more funds. To be, able to, to be able to use. So then, you know, you and your spouse then maybe sit down and say, you know what, maybe we can give a little more to our church. 
So we have the conversation, and then, you know, you're like, well, you know, maybe we can up our giving to our church. Maybe we can give to this ministry that we'd like to be able to give. Maybe we could do some more for our kids. And you start thinking about ways in which you can utilize and leverage the blessing that God gave you, in this case financial, to then be able to then extend that blessing to other people. So now your church is blessed more, your family is blessed more, your friends are blessed more, that you're able to be able to do these kind of things, all because God has put you, he's the one who gave it to you. So since God gave it to you, then you're able to then extend that to others as well. They become partakers of your blessing. That's how the kingdom works. God's people are not only blessed, but they are to bless each other. And when we do that, we testify of the goodness of God and he is glorified. We testify of that goodness. We say, God has been so good to me. And because he's been so good to me, I want to be able to, I have this, these financial means. I want to be able to bless people more. So it testifies to him. It brings it right back to the attention where it's supposed to be drawn. That it's drawn upward, directed directly toward him. Abram was blessed to be a blessing. Generations were blessed through his loins, but he literally blessed people. That's what he did. Look at the last thing. I want you to see Abram's commitment. Look at verse 4. It says, so Abram went, and as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So there's their directions. They're going in one particular direction. When they came to the land of Canaan, look at verse 6, Abram passed through the lands to the place at Shechem and took of the oak of Moriah, and at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. He built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. I want you to notate that. Verse 8. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, underline that, and called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 4 is a wonderful and short statement about the faithfulness of Abram. It basically said, so Abram went. God tell him, leave your land, leave your, fa your father's house, leave your kindred. And it says, so Abram went. Very simple. Doesn't have to be extra fancy. We just simply get in the text that Abram went. And, it sound, and you get the picture that there was no question. He just followed through on what God said. Here's a principle for you. Obedience is always faith in action. Obedience is always faith in action. So God speaks, Abraham trusts, that's faith, because he's not going to act if he doesn't believe in what God says. So then he acts upon what he believes. These two things work hand in hand. Obedience is not a stagnated thing. Obedience is not necessarily a, pro a very popular term, but when you actually walk in obedience, you are doing active things. So God said... Abraham believed, Abram believed by faith, and then he acted, so Abram went. Obedience is always faith in action. So here's the question that when I think about that, I ask myself, and I hope you're asking yourself, what about me? Am I, number one, listening to God, number two, believing by faith, and number three, actually acting upon what I say I believe? Or am I just listening and God's talking really loudly, but I'm not picking up the phone? Um, uh, 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 nobody on this line, on this end. Am I going to walk out and believe what he says? 
At the end of the day, you know what disobedience is? Disobedience boils down to one of two things. Either we do not care what God says, we don't consider it to be important, so we're not going to follow through on it, it's not that important to me, it doesn't really di directly affect me, or I really could care less, or whatever. It's either that we believe that what God says, we don't care about it, then he's really not Lord, or we do not believe in what God says, meaning we don't trust him. That's what disobedience is. Disobedience is either I don't care and you really are Lord of my life and so I'm going to do what I want to do, or I don't fully believe in what you said so I don't trust in faith that what you're saying is accurate. That's what disobedience is. For the Christian, we struggle to obey. We struggle to believe that God's way will really work out for the best, especially when we don't have all the details. That's a hard place to be. You're putting yourself out there and you're saying that, God, I'm going to trust you because I know you are trustworthy. That's what you're saying. You're trusting in the character and nature of the God you serve. You're saying he's faithful. And since he's faithful, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to, I'm going to do what he says to do. Because that's what it means to be a believer, to walk in faith. Abraham didn't always believe. He walked in disobedience at times. As a matter of fact, two different times he called his wife, his sister, when it was convenient so he wouldn't get uh, potentially killed or thought he would get killed. But disobedience is something we all wrestle with. We all have to repent from. I'm going to close with this and summarize. Disobedience is something we all wrestle with. You have likely, hopefully, as you've been a believer, at some time in your life had to wrestle with and repent over the fact that you've been disobedient to God. Here's the thing, is that here's the loving, gracious nature of our Lord. Is that sometimes when God is prompting us to do something and we continuously just kind of push it to the side, God continuously sends us reminders over and over and over and over again. And God is saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I want to do this for you. I want you to move in this direction. And it's right at the perfect time when God sends along that person, sends along that word, whatever it is that we need to then respond in faith. For me personally, for the last past year, you know, uh, we've told you a little bit about our journey back here to Dallas. But I wrestled with disobedience probably for a year before making the decision to come back this way, before starting to pursue our edu my education again and looking at what that was all going to entail. Why? Because I didn't have all the answers. Because I started asking big questions. Well, God, what does this mean then for our church? What does this mean then for our income? What does this mean for this? I started asking all the wrong questions instead of just saying, I have a word that's sufficient. I know that God has placed it in my heart. He won't leave me. It continues to just pursue me in my heart. And... I need to act on it. The moment I did that was the moment I felt most free that I've ever felt. And I just knew immediately at that moment that he was going to take care of every single scenario. I wish I could just spend time telling you the story of how we got here and all the literal, literal miracles that happened. Multiple, multiple, multiple miracles that only God could do. And it was because we came to a point where we just said, I need to stop being disobedient. I'm walking in disobedience at this point. God is clearly saying this is the direction we should go. This is what needs to be done. So follow through. 
And my encouragement to you today is that if there is something that, the God, that our gracious Father has put on your heart and continues to come up on the surface over and over and over and over again, walking in disobedience is not worth it. Give it up. Give it up. It's not worth it. You're missing out on what God wants to do, and you, want, and you are missing out on literal miracles. And you're missing out on seeing God work in a way that brings him so much glory and that people around you will even notice. Can you trust God without having all the details? Can you trust God without having all the details? I've been a Christian for 20 plus years. I have a seminary education. I still don't know why God works in mysterious ways. But guess what? I'm okay with that because scripture tells me his ways are not my ways. I don't know why God chose and still ongoing there's a pandemic. I don't know why God allowed that. I don't know why God would allow my wife and I to move across the country literally in the middle of it. I don't know those answers, but what I do know is my God is trustworthy. I know that he is faithful to be with his people. I know that he leads us and directs us and that when we respond in faith to where he's leading us, that is the best place we could ever be. And that's my encouragement for you. So let's summarize and close. Let's summarize this. So our one true statement today was that faith requires action even without having all the details. We see this clearly in the life of Abram. We saw that Abram was called, that he followed a God he didn't know, and that following a God requires faith that is active. Abram believed in this God who he didn't know, but he followed through on the word he received and he put his faith into action. Secondly, there's a promise. Faith and obedience positions us to receive these type of blessings like Abraham received, only when we follow through and actually walk in faith. And then lastly, we see that there is a commitment level that's necessary. Obedience is faith in action. We can only be committed to God when we are connected to him. Abram was connected to God. You will not follow through on what God wants you to do or what God is calling you to do if you are not connected to him. It's like, a, it's like a, an appliance being disconnected from the power source. If you are not connected to the source, then you will not follow through on what God wants you to do because you need him to give you the courage, the boldness. You need the Holy Spirit to be working in your life to be able to help you follow through to walk in faith. So I have two questions for you. Is the fact that God said enough? We mentioned this earlier, but I want you to reflect upon this this week. If you have your sermon, buddy, you have room to write it on there, or just write this question out. And I want you to take this before God, and, and I want you to genuinely ask him, God, can I say this today and genuinely believe it and mean it, that if you said so tomorrow, that that's enough. That's all I need. That that's all I need. As scary as it might sound to follow God into the unknown, he never leads his people where he will not be present. And he will never lead his people where he will not provide everything in which they need. And then following up to that, what do you think is the main thing that keeps you from following God where he leads you? What is it? Is it comfort? Is it false sense of security? Is it family? A lot of those things are big things to be able to sacrifice and to be able to say, I'm going to put those aside. But God is calling us to something deeper. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to have faith like Abram. To be able to receive just but a word from you and to be able to then follow through in that word. To actually put 
feet to our faith and to be active, to move where you would lead, Lord. Your scripture clearly tells us that the steps of the righteous are ordained by God. So you ordain our steps. You know the beginning from the ends, and Lord, we sometimes struggle with the starting point. So Lord, I pray that if there are those under the sound of my voice today that are stuck at the starting line, that the, that the shot has already been fired and they found, find themselves frozen, not able to move, I pray that whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's a, a false sense of security, whether it's whatever it may be, Lord, that is preventing them from moving in the direction that you have called them, I pray that you would release them from that today. I pray that you would give them courage to walk forth to where you are leading. And that, Lord, that they would be bold and have courage to do so. For some of you today, under the sound of my voice, that first step may be into a personal relationship with Jesus. Some of you here today may have not started the walk of faith and may have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm not going to sell you short and tell you that it means that life is going to be easy because it's not going to. But I am going to tell you this, that there is a God who came to this earth to die for your sins. He died upon a cross, he was buried, and then he rose again on the third day. And he says that if we place our faith and trust in him, then we can know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are his children, and that we have gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, and we are promised that he will reside within us and that we will be with him for eternity. That word is enough, and I pray that it's enough for you today to make the decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you, simply in the quietness of your heart, you can simply say something like this. You can say, Lord, I believe. I believe that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you came to this earth, that you died for my sins, and that you were buried and you rose again. I pray that you would make me a new creation in you and help me to serve you all the days of my life. And I thank you that I know that you are with me through all of life's journey and that I am promised to be with you for all of eternity. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we could pray. Amen. If we can get you all to stand, we'll go in and get you dismissed. So, pray our benediction over you today, our blessing. It's awesome to be here with you guys and to see all your faces and just know genuinely that we love you. God loves you. That this faith journey thing isn't easy. But thankfully we have brothers and sisters just who are around you in many different ways where you can get plugged in, where we can have that sense of community, we can encourage each other in this walk of faith because we need each other. That's how God created us as relational beings. So now it's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage, hold on to what is good, and honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted and support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again. Same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now tell somebody else that they are as well. Let's go out into this world in Christian community. Love each other, support one another in faith. And God bless you guys. We'll see you all next time. Mm. Mm.